So, is there life after philosophy? I'm interviewing philosophy majors years after graduation. Let's hear what they have to say. I'm Christopher Annadale. Welcome to Life After Philosophy. My guest today is Father Josh Miller, a Catholic priest of the Diocese of Joliet. Father Miller has been a priest for 13 years and is currently pastor of parishes in Coal City and Braidwood, Illinois. Father Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I thought, Father, we would proceed with the show in three parts. We'd talk first about your philosophy education, and I'll take the lead on that, just to introduce some details. And we'll talk about that for a bit, and then move on to the topic of what you're doing today, what your current vocation is, and then the links that you see between what you studied back in the day in philosophy and uh, the way in which these things are relevant to and help to inform the, the kind of life and things that you are doing and are able to do now. Does that suit you? Certainly. All right. I, I can give some then basic details. Father Josh Miller did two years of pre-theology philosophy study at Conception Seminary College from 2004 to 2006. In fact, seeing this, Father, I noticed that your two years there overlapped with my first two years there. So you they did. I remember. First Very class well. of students to study philosophy with me for, for two years at Conception. Uh, but you also have a background in studying philosophy prior to coming to seminary. Let me just say, maybe I'll just say a word here. I've had some former seminarians as guests on the show, and I've said a little bit about philosophy in the Catholic seminary curriculum, which is something that I teach. But perhaps for the benefit of people who don't know about this, I'll mention that there is a fairly robust two-year curriculum covering both history of philosophy and special topics in systematic philosophy that is required of all, or mo almost all, young men who are discerning a vocation to the Catholic priesthood. These men complete two years of philosophy study prior to beginning a four-year systematic study of theology that ends in ordination to the priesthood for many of them. So with that said, Father Josh, tell me about your philosophy education and what it was like. Well, it, it's interesting for me because it began in an, a way that's not exactly ordinary. I, Before I started formally discerning the priesthood, I was pursuing a doctorate in English literature. And so my first encounter with philosophy, since I had no uh, other courses in undergrad, was through what we might consider the postmodern philosophers. So I had a lot of Derrida thrown in there and things like that. And and it left me sort of hungry because <laughs> I sensed that what I was seeing in that that philosophy, you know, it's a lot of stuff that goes into critical theory. I, I, I sensed that a lot of it was not exactly what I agreed with or where I was as an individual at that time. And so it made me hungry. And I went back myself as just a guy with the stacks pass at the University of Illinois and and started to read Plato, and I read Aristotle. And all of those led me to eventually, as an agnostic, <laughs> to the works of St. Thomas Aquinas. And I, I was able to engage uh, Thomas. I probably understood 30% of what I was reading, really, if I'm being honest. Uh, but 
it was a, a fantastic experience because there was something rich there. I, I wanted to read more on top of what I was already reading for my studies. And uh, it made me hungry. It really reached out to me uh, as, as a, you know, just as a course of independent study. And then when I was able through discernment, you know, sort of a long convoluted road to get to Conception Seminary College. But once I got there, to have that structured and, and to really put some meat on the bones of things that I'd known tangentially, either by my own study or by just hearing about them, it, it was really a, a fantastic, uh, just for not only for my own edification, but just for you know, rounding me out as, as, as an individual and as an individual of faith, ultimately, too. So that that fits in with some things I've heard from uh, other other interviewees, men who've uh, completed seminary philosophy but then left seminary for for one, re one reason or another, uh, and something I I often like to say to some of the new men coming into seminary is, is that philosophy will improve you in a lot of ways, many of which would be relevant to a life of ordained ministry, but many of which will simply make you uh, a fuller, better, more self understanding human. And so uh, exactly. The, the, you know, the purpose of seminary is to get out one way or the other. You get out as a priest, you get out as a layman, but no matter what, if you come out, you come out better. You come out improved and, and more well-rounded. So exactly, yes. It seems very unusual for someone to to be sort of an autodidact with respect to Plato all the way up through Thomas, just, just picking up in addition to uh, reading for a do at a doctorate level. Was that did that did that feel unusual when you were approaching it, or was it? You said you said you were hungry, you were, you were thirsty for something for that you weren't getting in Derrida and the other the other critical <laughs> theorists. It, it was certainly unusual for someone whose focus and specialty at that time was William Blake. You know, it, it wasn't something that was essentially in my in my range. Um, so I was really stepping outside of it, but there was almost an exotic quality to it. You know, there, it was like I was stepping into some hidden treasure. Because it just had never appeared in in my formation at all in terms of my education or just even on my radar as as a kid I read everything but uh, outside of probably one thing by Nietzsche I just never really read any philosophy growing up as a teenager so th there was definitely a, a hunger that came from the unique nature of of what I found uh, beginning with Plato so fantastic. So I'm, I'm looking back here with thinking 2006 arrives. I stay at Conception Seminary College for a few more years. You go on to uh, study theology, I think, at Mundelein. Correct. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious about the, the relevance of philosophy as as you progressed through theologate to ordination. Was, was, was that a resource that you saw the value of at that time, or, or did that come more into focus later? Absolutely. And, and more specifically, I think um, when, when you move into theology school, it, it's impossible to avoid St. Thomas Aquinas. You, you, you have to engage him at some level if, if you're going to gain anything from your studies. And was St. Thomas a theologian or was he a philosopher? He was both, right? right. Absolutely. And um, so much of his thinking, his process of thought, you use the word, you know, systematic theology. It's a systematic study of theology in, in the seminary that we get. And 
it was really the the bottom line for me is philosophy teaches us how to think and it and that is probably the most important thing about formal education in general not that we learn a specific skill that but that we learn how to think and to be able to engage thomas to engage the great uh masters of the church who were all steeped in philosophy as a requirement of their education just like you know any modern priest uh that's invaluable you know to to have that background and to be able to engage them and understand where they're coming from because even just certain basic things like terminology you know um you, you really get when you're studying philosophy that you later uh, apply to theology to the study of theology and so I I couldn't have done one without out the other, just like I never would have really grasped what I was reading in Aristotle had I not, you know, gone to the seminary. So that's good. That that does seem to pay off uh, something that that I hear said quite often, which is that the value of the earlier stages of education becomes apparent in the later stages of education. There's a kind of owl of Minerva effect going on that, that you may not know why you're studying the uh, philosophy. The way you are, when you are, but four years down the road, three years down the road, suddenly it begins to click. Well, one of the extraordinary things for me is I studied philosophy and theology, certainly, but before all that, I was studying neuroscience. So I, I have a science background as well. And with that came a lot of math. And one of the surprising things about after I had completed my philosophy, is that I started to understand the math in a way that I had never understood it before. Because I, I think, in a very real way, maybe just out of you know raw utilitarianism, we, we teach math. Here are the steps to arrive at an answer, but we don't ever really stop and think about why. What is this showing? And for whatever reason me being a, a, a middling math student at best, I started understanding, you know, differential equations in a way that I never understood them before when I was doing my normal undergraduate work. And at one point after I had uh, finished seminary, I was sort of flirting with the idea of finishing a math degree. I, I didn't do that, but there, there was an engagement with math that philosophy opened up. I've never quite understood why that was, uh, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be really curious to know if that's a matter of of just learning to think, where there's maybe some channels become unblocked and you can approach things with, with greater clarity and, and mental focus and organization, or if there isn't some content involved in, in the sorts of things that philosophy unlocked, maybe some more fundamental metaphysical understanding of the kinds of things that math is trying to create models for. Do you have any insights on that? I, I, I think all of that is certainly possible. And uh, maybe all, uh, just sort of, I, I think one of the areas I studied the most in in, in undergraduate philosophy was in, in systematic logic and, and just sort of nailing that down in my head maybe had a lot to do with understanding uh, an algebraic expression, for example. Um, it, it, it certainly seems possible. That's great. Great. Thank you, Father. Let, let's turn to the, the issue of what you're doing today. I mean, you, you are, you've been a Catholic priest for 13 years. You've been an associate pastor and a pastor. I don't know whether you've been a chaplain 
or not, but you, you've done ministry, you've done all the things that a priest does in that dozen and more years. Uh, could you speak a little bit to to that and maybe to the elements of that that you, you see owing something to the philosophical formation you've had? Absolutely. So uh, I have been a pastor now for uh, approximately eight years and a priest for 13 years in total. And all of that has been in the parish. So my engagement is often with people who do not have the same philosophical or theological training as me. And what, it, what it's really done is, has turned me into a teacher, right? And, and, and a teacher uh, sort of is, is always passing on knowledge to those who don't have it. And you really, as a teacher, as you very well know, you've got to know the material. <laughs> you've got to know what you're talking about. Right. And so, so I think just on that theological level, when people ask questions, when people are confused about where something comes from, uh, when, when I'm teaching, or, or maybe they just read something and they have a question about the faith and how this could proceed, being able to talk to them about it, being able to break things down for them, it's a direct result of my education. There, there's, there's nowhere else that that comes from, if that makes any sense. No, I, I understand what you mean. I, somebody observed to me years ago that the types of questions, the types of problems, the types of errors that people tend to have and that they might bring to their pastor tend these days to be more philosophical than theological. That is, people don't come with necessarily a well-formed objection to some, some theological doctrine. They, they come rather with a, a vague sense that objective knowledge and certainty about religious truths is impossible, and they don't know where to proceed. Has that been reflected in your experience? Uh, correct. And, and, and it's, you know, my experience speaks to it when, when we go back to those days when I was studying English. There, there is this sense in the world that things aren't quite right. We, we, we might look at something like relativism, which our, our faith has, you know, <laughs> nothing to do with, uh, essentially. We, we're realists. And so when we engage these things in a very real way, people often have, there's a hesitancy. There's, there's a tendency not to understand or to accept how we arrive at, at, at a definitive conclusion uh, about, about what is good, uh, you know, what constitutes evil, et cetera. And so I, I think the tension there is between this skill set that they don't have and just sort of feeding them the knowledge uh, as, as we go along in the conversation or um, just, just in general talking to them and teaching them, which uh, adult education is something that I really uh, enjoy. So I, I see this come up in, in our parishes all the time where the framework isn't there, even though the, the heart's in the right place, right? And, and so it, it is actually a, a wonderful feeling when you can sort of talk people through things and say, this is how we reason it out. And th this is where we're coming from. And, and they, they come away better for it, uh, for that conversation. So, Wow. It, it sounds almost as though there is uh, something like an informal education network, um, maybe spread out around the country, and perhaps not just in the Catholic Church, but in in religion generally. People have serious questions about serious issues, combined with a sense that that the world nowadays seems to be badly out of joint. 
is that is that the right way to characterize it? That there's education going on as well as worship and ministry and counseling and the other things that go on in in a religious context? Absolutely, and and in general, our, our formation as human beings never ends, and that that formation takes on many facets, in, including intellectual formation. And and I think you know I always tell people that they can only believe in what they know, and if they they don't understand it, if they don't know it then you know there's there's plenty of plenty of people plenty of saints who didn't have a strong knowledge of theology but it helps <laughs> mm -hmm. it certainly helps to deepen our faith and to deepen our resolve because when put to the question by someone else or perhaps ourselves we can offer an answer as to why we believe what we believe um we can we can boldly proclaim the gospel uh and and just uh, put ourselves out there knowing why we believe what we do. Have you seen that effect in some of the people that you've been talking to and teaching? Have you been able to increase people's level of intellectual confidence in, in what they believe, what they affirm? You know, the best way you get feedback on this is, um, is always after the homily. You know, there's no, there's, there's, there's no greater compliment to me. You know, a lot of people say, nice homily, Father, uh, nice sermon, even though I don't give a sermon. Yeah, they, 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 they will say that uh, you know, as they're coming out, but the best compliment for me is when they come back and they say, you know, you said something a couple weeks ago about this, and I've been thinking about this over the past couple weeks, right? And that's when I know I've really hit them. That's when I, that's when I know when I've really inserted that nugget that, that they will benefit from. And I and I definitely see a hunger, and, and it's a hunger that comes quite naturally in, to the human condition to just want to know the truth. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let me ask another question, if I might, and if this is not not a sensitive question, do you uh, do you get a feeling of greater uh, brotherhood with your fellow priests out of your common study of philosophy? Uh, perhaps there's a generational thing going on, and I know seminary formation has changed somewhat in the past few decades. But what, what's your feeling about that? When when priests get together, do they have a common worldview that that is rooted in some philosophical understanding? Absolutely, and I think the real benefit to that is perhaps we've fallen in, into a line of thinking that that isn't really where we should be at. Um, it's helpful in the fraternity of priests to have individuals that can kind of call us out a little bit and, and maybe steer us back in the right direction. Certainly the commonality is nice, but I, I think how we grow sometimes is by being challenged. And I'm very thankful. I actually have uh, in my life, one of my best friends is, uh, he's a layman who has studied philosophy, just independent of the seminary or the Catholic scene. And so oftentimes as we talk through things, he, he challenges me and, you know, and as we have different thoughts about the world and technology or whatever we're discussing, including the faith, um, I, I think that's where the real advantage is because we come from a similar perspective, all of us, there, there definitely is that common perspective, but we can also help one another through that common perspective, navigate the world for good and good and bad, depending upon where we are in our lives. Very good. Very good. Do you, well, another question then, uh, has, are there elements in philosophy that you think have made you a better preacher? 
<laughs> Absolutely. And and I think this is perhaps where the the rhetoric philosophy tie-in comes from. But I, I I think that if you know your philosophy, if you understand where you're coming from there, then to express those ideas, those theological concepts, becomes a lot easier. I one of one of the problems that I see in most homilies. As if I may put on my critic hat for a moment, is that they're not focused in on one idea. They just sort of throw out a whole bunch of ideas and never really follow that that you know rabbit through the hole, so to speak. They they don't really pursue them through to an impactful end. Um, and so I I think the study of philosophy really it, it makes you say what is it? What is this thing? And uh, it, it definitely allows you that ability to pursue it and then communicate it in this act of teaching as we do um, from preaching. Thank you. Thank you. It, it does seem that this, this well, maybe I'll call it a Catholic model of a, a basis of philosophical understanding and wisdom upon which then is built a more comprehensive theological understanding does open up the possibility that people might be held back or handicapped or, or pushed towards error in matters of the faith by philosophical misconceptions, misunderstandings, or errors that they've made. Is, is that the case? Is it the case that the, you can't really have a unity of faith until you've got some sort of more basic unity of a philosophical worldview? I, th I think that that's definitely true. Um, and. I, I think that now more than ever, the divide we feel between people of faith and, and people who are what we might call unchurched, as that, as that number grows, uh, the, the divide is, is huge in this country. It, it's no longer just a matter of you know, Catholics and Protestants. It, it, at least that forms a basis upon which you can talk. But that, that dialogue, that conversation is much more difficult when the things I hold as supreme and absolute, uh, you know, you have no time for and, and, and vice versa. Uh, so um, I, I certainly think finding that, <laughs> finding that middle ground is important for unity in any structure, finding that common sort of ontological uh, basis. Uh, however, uh, at, at the same time, I think it's the the work of the church to continue that conversation in charity, such that those who may lack the faith or may lack understanding can continue to sort of see it from our perspective and where we come from. Uh, so that's always been the mission of the church, no matter what culture it's stepped into. Well, that's a very good way of putting it. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, let me, we're coming towards the end of our time here. Let me ask you another question, if I might. Certainly. Uh, do you have any advice for prospective students of philosophy, current students of philosophy, people who are maybe studying a little bit, thinking about studying more, who, who aren't quite sure where it's going to take them? Anything drawing upon your experience that you might be able to say to them now? Absolutely. When I went to Conception Seminary College to study philosophy, I went giving God a year. I was giving him a shot. But I knew that what I would gain through my study of philosophy, just in that one year, 
it didn't matter if I'd gone back to grad school or whatever after I deferred and it didn't matter. What mattered at that moment for me was gaining, gaining knowledge, gaining an understanding of the world. And really, as I said before, learning how to think. That, that is one of the most important things about education in general. And you can't go wrong studying philosophy for this purpose. Um, if, if I had it my way, it would be mandatory in every high school and you know college. So, but <laughs> that that that's maybe my dream, right? Oh, no, but no argument for me. <laughs> yeah, it, because it's been it's just that fundamental in terms of engagement with the world. It does not matter what you do after your formal study of philosophy. Everything you do, everything you engage, is going to be driven by that study. And um, for me, it's I, I'm one of my hobbies is I'm very in, entrenched in sort of technology. I, I love technology, but being able to analyze the, the threats and the risks and, and, and what technology does well, that's all comes from my theological training with, with a little McIntyre thrown in there uh, to boot. But yes, it, it, you never, you never lose it and, and it never goes away and it always colors you and it always benefits you. That's great. Thank you. That's a great way. That's a great way to conclude the episode. Thank you so much, Father. Uh, our guest today has been Father Josh Miller, a priest of the Diocese of Joliet and a 2006 graduate of Conception Seminary College pre-theology program. Thanks very much, Father. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Life After Philosophy. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate it five stars and share this episode with a friend. I appreciate your support.